Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Adulting Well listeners. This is Pepper, a.k.a. Joshua, a.k.a. Pepper, here to tell you about Anchor. So we used to host our podcast on another service, and we had this show for maybe three or four years at this point. And we got some metrics and things, but we didn't have a lot to do with them. And we recently switched over to Anchor. And what's amazing about it is it has all the metrics for the show, so you can see you know, how many downloads you get and things like that. But it it also lets you engage with the audience uh, in ways that our old service couldn't. So for instance, we can have polls, we can ask listeners to uh, leave us messages and questions and things like that. And we can uh, put them on the air super easily and answer those questions. Just, uh, that's just one example, but there are just a lot of different ways that we can um, engage with you now that we're using Anchor. So uh, This is our first ad, and it's for this service that we're using to provide this podcast to you. And I think it's uh, actually a really, really good service. Um, And if you have a podcast, I recommend it. You can download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Uh, Thanks for uh, pausing with me for a second. Now back to the episode. Hello and welcome to the Adulting Well podcast. I am your co-host, Joshua, and I am joined today by the productive... Co-host Kevin and the prolific guest is uh, Chris Sherry, and we are. For those that don't know him, you know him. That's all I'm going to say, and we will get into how you know him as we get into the Q and A of this uh, this show. But um, Chris, welcome, welcome, welcome. How is it out in the very, very warm Central Valley right now? Um, you know, it's. It, it's as weird as it is probably everywhere else. Um, you yeah. know, I was expecting that things were going to be, you know, much more kind of shut down and everything than they are. And as it turns out, I mean, it, it, it appears to me like things are moving relatively normal, although I'm a school teacher, so I'm not going in and I'm, I'm not working with the kids. I'm doing distance learning. So that seems different for me. But apart from that, it, it I mean, like out when I do have to go out, it looks like traffic wise, things are the same it's really odd that's very different than my experience in oakland really everything is shut down yeah completely it's like the apocalypse here (laughs) yeah 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 but there's a lot more essential business out in in stockton i would guess yeah yeah well there's a lot of restaurants but they're takeout now you know yeah they're just not like yeah yeah, it's weird because I, I was hoping that, you know, there wouldn't be very much traffic out. But then again, you know, I have to ask myself if I'm out, you know, and I have to just go to the vet, maybe, you know, this is a one off for some of the people on the road, too. So, I mean, I can't really make those assumptions that, you know, everybody is just out ignoring things, but it's stocked. And so I kind of wonder if people are a little uh, less mindful. Yeah, we have well, a so you, you mentioned already that you're a teacher. Um, so how, but you're, you're also, I mean, you teach drama. So how does that going with, uh, with, with the, uh, the teaching at home? You know, it's weird because typically what I do is I'm working with the kids every day, like one-on-one and we're doing improv and, you know, they're working on doing formal performances and, you know, it's, it's constantly being there, being present and working with other people in the class. So since we can't do that, I mean, it's been really strange. I've been, you know, having to go, okay, what can they do at home and kind of lead to something that'll be a performance. So I've been having them watch clips from YouTube of, you know, different sketches 
TV performances. They're going to transcribe them and then they're going to get on like a Zoom call with another person. What, what, what sketch TV performances? You know, I'm I give them all sorts of recommendations like Key and Peel, Kids in the Hall, um, yeah. Live, um, uh, a, you know, a bit of French and uh, French and Saunders, um, you know, a lot of a lot of different things. Carol Burnett show. There's a lot of kids that were super into that. So, you know, I, I found some pieces that I thought would be good for them to be able to watch. And then they're they're finding ones of their own that they're eventually going to be performing. And we'll see how that goes. I mean, I honestly don't know if it's going to go very well or not. But, I, you know, I, I'm not I'm not just giving up and saying, well, we can't do anything. I'm figuring out what we might be able to do. That's that's amazing. So let's talk about punk rock. And yeah. we love to hear about how people kind of found themselves in the punk scene. So yeah. why don't you give us your let's let's find Chris finding the punk scene story. OK, so let's see. It's probably about 1982. Um, we were I was living in New Jersey at the time and we had gotten um, well, I was on an Air Force base and we had gotten MTV. And so with MTV, you know, suddenly you're getting all these videos and I don't you know, I'm a young kid, I, you know, in 82, I'm I'm 12. So I don't really have a very good idea about what is punk in the first place. I mean, I've heard of it, but I, I don't really, really know. I'm living on an Air Force base, so like that is the most unpunk rock area. So we where, get was, where, where was the Air Force base? Um, it's uh, McGuire Air Force Base in New Jersey. So we oh, were wow. kind of close to Philly. Um, so, and, and there was a lot of stuff going on there. Like, I mean, if I look back in time and it would be great for me to say, oh yeah, I used to go to city gardens all the time, but he didn't, you know, that was not, that wasn't <laughs> part of my world, but I, I did see flyers for city gardens when I went to the mall, there was like, you know, one of those kind of like head shops that had buttons and, you know, rock t-shirts and, and they had, I remember them having flyers for city gardens and not really knowing exactly what it was. So, um, probably, Probably like Billy Idol, The Clash were the the two things that initially got me going, oh, okay, well, this isn't like everything else that I'm hearing on the radio. It's a little bit different. And then, of course, you start, you know, finding out, oh, Billy Idol used to be in this band called Generation X. Oh, they're they're punk and people are calling it definitely punk. So then you start looking into that and you go, oh, that's kind of cool. And then, you know, you start kind of becoming aware of more things. Well, then in 84, my parents um, got reassigned to um, living overseas in England. And when I got over there, it was like I lived in a a really, really small English village and all the kids in the neighborhood, um, you know, had like a a boom box that they'd play. And I distinctly remember listening to Stiff Little Fingers and um, the specials and just going, oh, okay, maybe this is the real stuff now. And it really kind of took off from there. And that was 1984, summer of 84. We moved over and, you know, that stuff sounded like really, really good to me. So I, you know, I did like what every self-respecting, you know, would be punk or kid does. And you, you do your homework, you know, you kind of start looking into all right, who are all the bands that have come before. And that's just the way I did things. And, um, you know, then I started discovering American hardcore stuff and, you know, it was all, I mean, it was almost ironic because I'm an American living in England surrounded by (laughs) punk and I really want to be listening to American hardcore. Which, I mean, if it was hard to find in the States, think about how that was in England. Like, it was very difficult. Were you on your own or did you have, like, partners in crime on this journey? You know, I had had one kid in my village that was, you know, in, in Ipswich, which was the closest, like, English proper town, you know, that actually had a music scene. We had a, uh, a post office there and the punkers would hang out on the steps of the post office and would, you know, drink their apple cider, you know, all day. And he was one of the kids that did that, but also lived in my village. So he got me introduced to a lot of stuff. And then on the base, there was another friend of mine who lives out in the Bay area right now. And I actually see him from time to time. And he got me interested in like, you know, descendants and, um, you know, toy dolls and, you know, a lot of other bands, Agent Orange, and he opened the door. But I mean, it was really, it was kind of, you know, on my own and just kind of like exploring and reading, you know, just, and then when you find a copy of Maximum Rock and Roll, I imagine like most people, I mean, I read that thing cover to cover and, um, you know, I mail ordered everything I could. So yeah, I was kind of on my own. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I mean, what was it like being a, being a military kid 
you know, into punk in the, in the, in the mid eighties. You know, it was weird because, you know, like, as you guys probably remember, I mean, there were, there were names that you had for punker kids. If you saw them and you drove by and you'd scream them at the, out the window, mm-hmm. that was, that was like every day for me, but it was intensified. Cause it was, you know, like it was all these young GIs who probably before they enlisted were super into metal. So, and you could always tell that because they kept their crappy little mustache, you know, as something that they could have <laughs> as a rebellion. So if you saw like a real pimply faced guy <laughs> with a mustache, you knew that he was met into metal and you knew that if he was given the chance, he'd want to hassle you. But they were actually pretty good about like not giving you a hard time because, you know, they had to, they had to answer to somebody. And it just yeah. so happened that one of my friends, his dad was the, the chief of the security police on base. So we oh. didn't get hassled all that much. I mean, you know, it was, it was kind of nice, but it was definitely weird. I mean, I remember having, you know, like going through the, the phase where when you're straight edge, you want to have X's on your hand. And I was working in a post office on the base. And the guys that I worked with had no idea that, and you know, like they were just your, your typical, like, I don't understand anything kind of guys. And they were like, so what's the mexes on your hands? Like you and some sort of Satan stuff. I was like, no, (laughs) Oh, I bet you like to party. No, that's actually why they're on my hands. (laughs) Explaining that to a GI just doesn't work. Cause like, you know, their, their thing is I got paid on Friday. All the money is gone by Sunday. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I mean, room and board are paid for. So what? What's what? Why keep anything in the bank account when you can drink it away over the weekend, right? Right, right. Yeah, and you get you get like this killer stereo system. You don't have a car, but you have this crazy stereo system, and you're in this concrete, you know, room that you're sharing with another guy who has an uh, another giant stereo, and that's what you spend your money on. So like on the weekends, you know, you're listening to Rat, and you know, you're just rocking out. And then there's me, who's not doing any of that. Oh my gosh! So how many times did you move as a as a as a kid between between being being born and and when you moved out of your parents? A lot, you know. When 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 I first got started, it was in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and it uh-huh. seemed like every two, maybe three years, we moved. Sometimes sooner than that. So I mean, we we were in Jersey, we were in New York, we were in Charleston. We were in Germany for a little while. Um, right. We were in Texas in a couple places in Texas. And then when we wound up going to uh, England, it was nice. I started you know, my freshman year and, and I was there for four years, which was kind of unheard of for us. So I did all of my high school career in England. And then after that, we moved to Denver and I was in Denver for a really long while. And, and then we moved out here to Northern California. I guess it was 18 years ago. Almost. Okay. Like. So, yeah. We moved a lot. And and where are your parents now? They're in Denver still. My brother okay. and my parents are still in Denver. I mean, once, it, it, once yeah, go ahead. You have a you have a really good relationship with your family, right? Oh yeah, really good. Like super tight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, That's I mean great. they were very, very encouraging to me, you know, in in doing everything that I did. And, you know, I think my dad more than anything did like a, like a lot of dads was just like, Oh, you know, it's just a phase. He'll kind of grow. Oh, he's now he's dying his hair. Ah, it's just a phase. He'll grow out of it. And then when they realized, okay, he's not growing out of it, but there wasn't any negative that was associated with that. So I think it was easy for them to just go, <laughs> all right, well, it's not a phase, but we can. <laughs> so, so when did the intersection of your love for punk music and art kind of start? Like, when did you start drawing? Were you like one of those kids that was right out of the gate drawing stuff or did it, did it kind of develop later in life? You know, I, okay. So like I said, my parents um, were stationed in, in Germany for a while. And that was when I was, I think three and my brother had just started kindergarten. So he was, he was going for part of the day he was in kindergarten and my dad was at work and my mom was at home with me and she every morning she got up and she cleaned the apartment and you know it was a really small apartment so she had loads of time where you know it was just her and me and as a as a teenager my mom you know liked to draw so she would get you know coloring books and supply me with endless amounts of paper and basically we were just like drawing buddies so i would just sit down on the floor in the kitchen while she was working and i'd be coloring and then we'd move into the living room and you know we'd spend our days just drawing and coloring and they kept 
you know, giving me paper and crayons. And my dad worked close to the motor pool on base. So at the motor pool, they always had like, you know, comic books and magazines and stuff. And when the GIs were done with them, you know, my dad would get them and bring them home to me. So I had like... What comic books do, do, do you remember from that? Oh, well, probably the first comic book I remember him bringing home was the Fantastic Four. And um, and I loved it. And I believe George Perez was the artist that was working at the time that I was starting to get those. And I mean, he's he's always been one of my favorite artists. Um, Howard the Duck, um, he, mm. he would bring home Howard the Duck ones, the Avengers. Uh, and then eventually we started getting the X-Men. And, you know, that's like that's early mid seventies, you know, like once they had introduced the new team with Wolverine and Colossus and Nightcrawler and all the ones who are popular nowadays. Um, when they, when they were, you know, just getting started, I was just getting those, those issues. And, um, it had a huge impact on me. I, and it was always Marvel comics for me. I, you know, I, I'm definitely a Marvel guy. Do you like, you, you're pretty into it. Do you like the way, I mean, I don't want to totally derail, but do you no, like the Marvel much. movies? Move it um, along, man. Derail. Yeah, I mean, I do. <laughs> I initially, when they first started doing them, I was, I was blown away that it was happening. I mean, I didn't think, you know, I was pretty naive. I never thought in my lifetime that I'd be, you know, like watching some of those characters on the, the silver screen and, and done fairly well. That's amazing. I, I feel like, you know, it's kind of, we've been inundated with them. And at this point they're, they're losing a lot of their appeal. They really have to do something special in order for me to be interested. Cause as much as I loved the character of, you know, Captain Marvel when I was a kid, the the film version just really let la- I mean, I, I got so bored midway through because so much is just CGI and color palette wise, it's it's all very samey samey. So I have a real hard time like picking out what's going on and it, it really doesn't do much for me. So I've definitely kind of gone sour on them a little bit. I mean, obviously there's exceptions, but um Man, I was I was thrilled when they first started doing them. You know, when you have Sam Raimi doing a Spider-Man movie, it's like, really? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. the guy that did Evil Dead's going to do a, a, a real movie for Marvel characters? It was really, really exciting. And um, it's it's not so much now anymore. It just feels like it's, it, it's just another... Um, it's another thing that they're going to just continue to pump from... Endless. Yeah, it feels like a machine, right? That they're oh, just like I mean, running these you know, through. It's owned by Disney now, so right, right. And just like Star Wars, it's going to be you know, it's it's there, it's there for more of a one you know one purpose, right? I yeah, mean, for sure. I enjoy I enjoy the both the Star Wars and the Marvel movies only because it's entertaining. Um, yeah, but you know, the the I can see where as a real comic book fan, like somebody that really. Really, uh, you know, obviously on your side, Chris followed it and like really got into especially the artwork side of it. It's probably hard to watch because it's it is not that like the the animation in the book in the comic books and the graphic novels is so amazing. Yeah, I mean it's unreal. Like they always had the best illustrators. Like just oh, yeah. really yeah. amazing stuff. So uh, you know, I I totally can see that. So so you're basically learning to draw with your mom on an air force base in Germany. Yeah. That's amazing. And obviously it was a lifelong love. And this is where I get to do a little bit of the reveal for those that don't know Chris has done. I, I, it would be hard to even like count how many bands you've done work for, but obviously the most notable is the descendants and all. Um, and you know, the fact that you were drawing at such a young age, how, how did you sort of develop this? Because you've got your, your, you know, sort of what, your day job is, which is teaching, which is great. Cause then you get summers off. So you get to go to awesome shows for tour. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and then uh, you've got your, your, you know, the, your, your, you know, your love and your path, but you seem passionate about teaching as well. So it's like, I am. you know, it's pr- pretty amazing to, uh, to have both of these things in your life. Yeah. I mean, I feel really very, very fortunate about it. I mean, as far as like, you know, like the artwork really kind of like taking off and stuff, I, you know, at a very early age, I, I was interested. I didn't know if I was any good. And at that time, um, they were making the, um, Mego world's greatest superhero, like dolls, you know, they, they were the clothed dolls Then you know, they had Marvel ones and they had DC ones. And I had some of those as a kid, but there were a lot of characters that I liked that they didn't have. So I started making these paper dolls. Then I would get, you know, those, um, 
those note cards, they were, they were like kind of like a spiral note card where, you know, like they've got fluorescent green and fluorescent pink and yellow and, and so on. Yeah. Yeah. And I used to get those and then draw the body on the pink ones. And then from there I'd layer on the clothes and tape them on so that I, you know, have these really very colorful paper dolls. And I kept them in my Hong Kong Fui lunchbox and, you know, I had dozens of them and I, you know, I played with them all the time as a kid. So I was really very interested in in doing something with my art. And anytime I had like an English class that said, well, you know, here's a book report you need to do. And I'll give you an option. Like you can make a poster for the book instead. I'd never write the paper if I could help it. I would do, <laughs> I'd do like a poster. So there were all these outs for me as a student to do artwork. And, you know, I, I took any art class that I could. And I think it was when we had moved to New Jersey um, we were living in Texas and we moved to New Jersey and it was junior high, which is, you know, middle school now. And when we moved, I was the new kid and, you know, everybody wants to size up the new kid and like, okay, well, what are they good at? Are they fast? Are they funny? Are they athletic? I mean, what are they? And I was just drawing cause it's what I did. And kids were like, Whoa, that's really pretty cool. Could you draw me this? And then I realized, Oh, I'm the new kid who's good at drawing. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I took it for granted. I never really thought about it, but you know, clearly these kids were saying, Hey, this guy's really good. And you know, that's, you know, I'm, I'm about 10 at that time. And so I'm now I'm starting to get like really deep into comic books because I also have a paper route and I have income. So whatever measly amount I made at my paper route went right into comic books. And, you know, then it just fueled the fire for me to keep drawing and creating characters of my own. And, you know, before you knew it, I, I had like a, a cast of characters that I was doing and I was drawing characters of kids in school and my teachers. And I do the more encouragement I got, the more I kept at it. But I must have had, you know, some talent for it or either that or i just don't know when to stop maybe that was it maybe i i may not have been very talented but i i persevered and i was tenacious yeah i mean i you know i so when was your first um when was kind of your first thing that you drew for uh a band like what how did that come about for you so in high school, I was doing artwork, you know, for my own bands. You know, I like right. most people had, you know, bands in high yeah. school and I was doing stuff for that. Um, and the uh, kind of like our our big brother band was the Stupids from Ipswich. And, um, you know, they were they were absolutely enamored with American hardcore and they were skaters and, and they were really good friends of mine. And they also happened to be at that point in time in the late 80s, mid mid to late eighties, they were getting really, really popular in the British press. And, um, so they asked me to do some artwork for them. And I did a, a tour shirt for them. They had one side of it and they were on tour with the Australian band, the hard ons. So the hard ons was on one side and then the stupids drawing that I did was on the other side. And that was 88. And that was the first, like, you know, another band had asked me to do something thing. And I was like, I was so excited. And then I got the shirt and it was like the ugliest thing ever. <laughs> they had this, they had this <laughs> yellow print with red ink on a black shirt. And it was just this oh, ugly sweatpant. Oh, no. It looked, it was terrible looking. I mean, it really was. I still have it, but it was just disgusting looking. So as <laughs> I, was, I was like, man, that that kind of sucks. Maybe I need to keep out this so I can get something that I feel better about. Yeah. Well, so and yeah. 80, I'm glad you did. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Again, I stuck with it. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I think is really interesting, you know, and I, I follow you on, on Instagram and, and, um, Facebook somewhat. I mean, Facebook's a little different, but the, yeah. the Instagram, I definitely like, I'm engaged in your, in your feed. Um, and you're, you're, I mean, it's constant. You're, yeah. you're just constantly creating. And so kind of, you know, you, you start, you start working with a few bands. Is it, was that an early part of your process was to just be working all the time? I mean, cause it takes a lot of practice to get good, especially if you're doing stuff that's commercial in any way. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess, the way I always looked at it was 
I had made t-shirts for myself all the time. Cause again, I'm super into like American hardcore, but I'm living in England. So I can either mail order my stuff, which is about my only option or on a really off chance, there might be a band that, that comes on tour. And in the mid to late 80s, there weren't very many American bands that were touring England. So I made my shirts. And um, Were you stenciling I, or still, still screening yeah, or what? Yeah, I was, I was yeah. stenciling and um, I was also using Sharpies. And then uh-huh. I, took an, I took an industrial arts class and um, my teacher had these silk screens in a, in a closet like, you know, is. kind of buried in, yeah. in his uh, dark room. Because, you know, that was when you had dark room in school. So I was the like... evil hey. beginnings. Oh, yeah. And I said, uh, hey, what's uh, what's the deal with these silk screens? And he goes, oh, I haven't taught that in years. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, well, now you can again. Because, like, me and my friends really want to do this. So he said, okay, well, you know, I've kind of... I, I, I've got some of the tools that we can do. So it's going to be really rough, but I was like, Oh, it's, it doesn't matter. I want to do it. So I, I made um, a shirt for the band that I was in, in high school. And then he said, Hey, you know what? Like the more that we got into it, the more he was like, you know what? I've got like this really rough system for how you can register. Like you can do two or three colors. And I went, Oh, oh yeah. Let's, let's do that. And like, it was ridiculous. Cause we had space heaters. We had those flame retardant, <laughs> gloves and space heaters to go over top of them so that the shirts would cure you know because we didn't yeah. he didn't have a whole lot of anything but he did have plastisol inks so we were using those and physically holding space heaters going over the top of them and then when they started um smoking we knew they were relatively close to being done <laughs> so, i mean it was like the roughest sort of stuff but it definitely like you know that feeling and kevin i know you know this but when you see <laughs> something silk screen it's intoxicating and yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I did that and i went this is what I want to do. And I, I want to, and so my, my point to saying, you know, I was making my own shirts is what I really wanted to do is I wanted to make shirts for bands that looked like something I would want to wear. So I was never looking at it like, okay, well what's, you know, I mean, I always take into consideration what's going to represent the band well, but it's also, what would I like? As, as a fan, because I am above and beyond everything. I'm, I'm a big, big fan of all the bands that I work with. I wanted to make a shirt that I felt good about that I'd like to wear. So, and as silly as this sounds, if I thought, hey, you know what? I'd like to have a shirt that has like a small logo in the center. Then I designed something for a band with that in mind. Or if I thought, oh, it'd be really cool if I did like, you know, like a really skinny, like off to the left-hand side design, then I'd figure out what band would that look cool for. And I designed something with that in mind because that's the shirt I wanted to wear. So it always came back nice. to, you know, what is, what is something that I would feel really good about wearing myself? Cause I do, I wear, I wear the shirts that I make. I don't, I don't make them and just go, yeah, I, I kind of had to do it for this band and uh, uh, it's a paycheck. You know, I don't really look at it like that. And, and being a teacher allows me to not have to take on all the jobs. So I get people that'll ask me and say, Hey, you know, would you, would you want to do something for my band? And I'll go, all right, what did you have in mind? And then they tell me, and a lot of times I'll go, nah, not really. Hmm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's such a great place to be too with your art, right? Where you're, yeah. I mean, not so much like, you know, because you're doing stuff because you need the money. And, you know, I totally understand that. There's a lot of artists that have to do that, but like creating things that you are really interested in, you know? Yeah. And so you're, you're, you're basically starting this art career now and you're also somehow getting, through school and then college and getting a teaching credential. Yeah. So, and, and actually these two, <laughs> have you always been an overachiever, Chris? I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's funny. Cause like, I just, it's just, it's just what I am. It's like, I, I remember a friend of mine who was um, allergic to grass. I was like, you don't know what you're missing out on. Like the smell of fresh cut grass is one of the best things. And, walking <laughs> barefoot. and she was like, but I'm allergic. I don't know any different. And so like, right. For me, I, 
have I always been an overachiever? I don't know. Cause I don't know any yeah. different. You know, I never, you know, decided, Hey, let me do this or whatever. It's, it's just yeah. part of who I am. And I guess I, I always have in the back of my mind, like, you know, my grandfather's voice saying, you know, any job worth doing is worth doing well. And, right. you know, and I, I have always taken that really to heart in that, okay, well, if I'm going to make art and I'm going to do t-shirts and I want to work with bands then I need to do that well. And the only way to See, do that, that that's well, pretty amazing, though, like, especially at that age, I think like a lot of people like myself kind of had to learn the lesson of yeah. of, of work ethic, you know? Yeah. Uh, but but you just your grandfather said to work hard and that was it. You're off and running. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I both of my my sets of grandparents were were really, really hard workers. And I I really respected that. I think a lot more than I understood at the time, because I, I didn't want to ever disappoint my family. You know, I didn't want them to look at what I was doing and go, well, you know, he never amounted to anything or have my parents, you know, less mm -hmm. than excited about what I was doing. So I always felt like, you know, you, you do the best that you can at everything. And then, you know, as I started like getting super into descendants and all, you know, that that's kind of about the time that they have like their quasi philosophy of all and like going right. for the most of everything that you can. And so I really took that to heart and I was like, okay, see these guys get it. Like they're all about, you do as much as you can, as well as you can, to the, you know, complete extent, you know, where there's nothing else remains, you just, you're going all the time. And, you know, a lot of that is that SST work aesthetic where it's like, you know, you, you work really hard. You don't complain about the opportunities you don't have, you make them and you get right. out and you, you do something. Don't complain about what you don't have, make it. So yeah. for me, I mean, I always, I, you know, and I guess I, I've learned very easily by, observation rather than, you know, having life kick me down. You know, I, I had my, my brother who's two years older than me would occasionally make pretty stupid decisions and I could watch those and go, I don't want to do that myself. So I, you know, I've always just kind of learned kind of that way. And, um, I think it's been really helpful to me. Yeah. When, I mean, obviously it's been helpful. And, and so I, I too, like what I started printing t-shirts for my bands in the early nineties and just, you know, like when it was kind of time to find something again, it kind of came back to me and it's just, it's been a, a, a career that's been both interesting and <laughs> at times disappointing, yeah. but that feeling of like, being able to make something we, so one of my bands was so into it that we actually brought screens to shows and just printed whatever people brought. Yeah. So they could leave or something, you know, and it was just, it's just such an awesome because it's, it's such a, you know, like I've always loved doing things. Like I was a baker for a while, things that have a, like a, an actual result, Yeah, you know, that aren't like sort of, uh, you know, theoretical, but like you're actually holding something or you have something you've completed. Right. Um, and uh, I just think there's such satisfaction in making T-shirts. I, I, it's hard to explain to people that don't relate to it, you know. And I, I like I got so excited when you mentioned like that feeling because I'm like, oh my god, the, the, every part of the T-shirt nerd in me was like, yes. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know, it's oh. it's like it is. It's really exciting. And I remember when. Um, so we we met more recently in your sort of your career, but um, obviously I've seen you around and seen your artwork for years and years. Um, you were you did a shirt for my pal Chuck, who I actually play music with for Monsula when they got back together to do yep. uh, that show with with Jawbreaker, and we got to print it. Yeah, so that was that was really fun. Like, okay, we're printing we're printing a Chris Sherry shirt. It's <laughs> awesome. Well, and it was great um, for me too because, like, you know, I I loved Monsula. You know, when they were up and running, they came through yeah. Colorado quite a bit. And, you know, and they were on tour with, I guess, um, Savalas at the time. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, Savalas were, were my buddies, you know, so they're going out on tour with Savalas and Mansula. Okay. These are people that I want to know. And I, I had done some artwork for, I was starting to do sketches for Mansula, you know, like back when they were active in the early nineties and nothing ever came of it. And then of course they broke up. So like right. when, when Chuck told me that they were going to be playing, I was like, Oh, finally I get my chance. And I was so <laughs> thrilled to do it, you know? And, yeah. I, and I know some people were like, well, I guess that's kind of cool. But for me, it was like, 
I got to do a shirt for Monsoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then me and me and my crew got to print a shirt that you. So we're all you know, designed for my, I do. I was like, so Chuck, when he sent me the artwork, he's like, so do you know who Chris is? I'm like, stop dude. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> do I know? Give me a break. I'm like, I'm like, I'm in the t-shirt business for, for God's sakes. The fact that That's I haven't I printed one of his shirts before is pretty amazing. Um, so talk, let's talk about Colorado because that's yeah. where kind of things really came together for you and you, uh, there was a, a band living there or a band member living there specifically, uh, from the descendants, uh, Bill Stevenson and talk about how, how you met them and kind of the early days of working with all, especially, and I'm just going to, Joshua and I were talking before you got on the, on the, on the, the, the stream, but, um, I was a huge all fan. I saw them play like literally every time they came to Northern California during yep. the run of that band. Um, I absolutely loved Dave Smalley in that band who I already loved anyway, yep. but a huge fan of that band. And I don't think they ever got because they were, you know, the after descendants band. I don't, I, I never felt that they got the the love that they deserved. I mean, they no, just they, were a totally amazing band and ridiculous live band, like oh, so yeah. good. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you because um, so I had uh, been doing a zine in in the tail end of living in England um, and I had done an interview with Bill. And at the time that I sent him the interview, it was an interview with Bill Stevenson of Descendants. So I get the interview back and he goes, yeah, no, we broke up. We're we're called all now. And I was like, what are you talking? So very soon after he had cruise records send, um, you know, a promo copy of all Rice says, and, um, you know, like you said, Kevin, I love Dave Smalley from, you know, not only Dag Nasty, but also DYS. And I'm one of those weirdos that, you know, loves the second DYS metal record. I think it's great. And like Dave singing on it, I absolutely loved. So, you know, I was like, okay, well, Milo, who of course I love as a singer, um, isn't in the band anymore. So what? It's still the same band. You know, they just have a different singer and somebody I happen to love also. So, okay. Descendants were my favorite band. Now all is. Okay. So I can live with that. So, um, I, I was like, on board from day one. And, um, so Bill had done this interview, as I said, with me. And so I had had some sort of connection with him and Bill used to do a lot of written interviews, like with just, you know, dumb kids like me who would just send him an envelope, you know, a self-addressed stamped envelope (laughs) and he sent it back, you know, and he took the time to write, you know, his responses and everything. And I was like, wow, that's pretty awesome. Cause he was in black flag too. Wow. That's pretty cool. So Bill, um, you know, kind of opened the door, um, just by his hospitality. And, um, then as I said, you know, all were like, okay, now that's my favorite band. But I also knew that all was, was having their artwork done by Carl Alvarez, their bass player. And I loved Carl's artwork, everything that I had seen of his, you know, up to that point, I, just loved. And I was like, okay, well, they've got the art stuff covered. Um, and you know, maybe one of these days they might have room for something I did also. So, uh, I, I, you know, I was doing, you know, characters of all kinds of people. And, um, then when I finally saw them was when we moved to Denver, must've been 88 was probably the first time I had seen them or maybe it was late 88, maybe 89, but right yeah. around that time. Um, and and uh, Scott was the singer at the time. I didn't get a chance to see him with Dave initially. So Scott comes through with them. And Scott was just, he looked to me like Popeye on stage. Because, you know, he had that thing where he'd squint an eye. And he, he was very muscly. And he was kind of bow-legged and kind of hunched over. And so I did this drawing of him with these Popeye forearms. And I used it for a flyer for when they came to Fort Collins. Uh, they were on one of their, you know, many tours and, um, I did a flyer, Bill had seen the flyer. And as I was walking, you know, in the, the club, he, he was like, Hey, Hey, that's the guy that did it. Hey, Hey, you, Hey, you, Hey, 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 Hey. So you, you want to do something for us? And I was like, um, yes, sir. I, you know, I was like very, very impressed that, you know, he knew that that was what I did. And I guess the, you know, the promoter of the show told him, you know, what I looked like. And so I met Bill and the rest of the band. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and again, it was just, you know, I'm just a big fan. And so, you know, he sees it and he likes it. And I said, okay, 
well, I'd, I'd like to do something for you. So I did um, uh, a t-shirt for them and I sent it to them and they used it. Um, they used it for All Roy Saves, I think. I think it was for nice. the Saves Tour. Um, it was in Europe. And, and then, like I said, I mean, I don't give up. So they printed the one. And of course, it's that intoxicating, oh, here's a t-shirt that I did. I want more of yep. them. And they tour all the time. <laughs> so they've got to need shirts from time to time. So I, <laughs> yeah. I kept doing artwork and I kept sending it to them. And I mean, at that time, I would send like originals out all the time. And I didn't care. I mean, I, you know, sometimes I drew them so big, I couldn't photocopy them. So I was like, ah, here it is. If you can use it, use it. If you can't, whatever, I don't care. Um, so there's a lot of that early stuff that I don't have anymore because the, the originals were gone and, and maybe I didn't make copies. So they started using the stuff and, you know, then it was, okay, well, we're getting ready to go out on this tour. Um, do you have anything? Oh, okay, sure. And I didn't stop. So at that time they were, they were then living in um, Springfield, Missouri and, um, or Brookfield. And, and they weren't really very happy living there. And they were, they were going out on tour, like trying to get a better sense of where to move. And they had come to Fort Collins where I was going to college at the time. And they had been there for like a week. They they played a few shows in the area, but they they kind of set up base in, in Fort Collins. And, um, you know, it was really cool. It was like, you know, I was seeing them frequently. And, you know, it seemed like they were really very interested in moving there. So sure enough, I, I finished college in, I think, 85, 86. I moved back to Denver and then all moves to Fort Collins. You know, my favorite band now is living in my college town that I don't go to college at anymore. But I was close enough. I was in Denver, which is about an hour and a half away. So how um, close were you guys at this point? We were starting to get pretty close because, you know, I was that kid that showed up as soon as the band got there for soundcheck. And, you know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I would be the the modern day equivalent of a punisher. But eventually I seemed to I seem to entertain them well enough and, you know, they, they got, we got along very, very well. And, um, you know, and they came through so often that I saw them regularly. And then when they finally moved to Fort Collins, then it was like, we were already pretty good friends at that point. And, um, you know, it really just kind of went from there. Um, you know, they are definitely the band that I work the closest with and, you know, some of my best friends as well. So I'm very, very fortunate. Yeah, that's about that. amazing. I mean, yeah, it's just such an amazing story. Well, and and to think that, you know, I had the opportunity to work with my favorite band, become friends with them. And and now, you know, I am the go to guy for, you know, Descendants, because then when eventually they started doing Descendants, it was like, well, now I'm doing artwork for Descendants instead of just all. And that was that was wild for me. Um, you know, and obviously we've done quite a bit since then. <laughs> Those are great. Those are great uh, covers too. I love those. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, I know that uh, Kevin. These things end so quickly sometimes, but just I have to get this in here. I'd let the people know that you have a Beetlejuice handbag. Oh yeah, available. Yeah, uh, on well, your website, and it's pretty amazing. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. my uh, that was that was some of my artwork. That so my wife and I both do artwork. She does. Um, this yeah, literary- I wanted to talk about about your relationship a little bit. Maybe you can just throw in kind of how you two met, but that you were both artists. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, my wife and I met through mutual friends in Colorado. We were out dancing one night. I I happened to pride myself on being a good dancer. She clearly noticed that and was like, uh, hey, what's wait, the story? Wait, 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 wait. Everything about you so far screams that you're not at the dance, but you're at home with the comic books. And are oh, you no. also tearing it up on the dance floor this whole time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I was I, at that time. You've I was never seen out. Chris at a show, have you? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm I'll, always I'll, I'll, right up in the front. I'll share, I'll share a Chris story or two after. That's amazing. Done, done, done. Oh, yeah. amazing. Well, I mean, I, I am just, I am the biggest like fan of the bands that I'm into and I'm not one of those. And it's funny. I was at some show. I know I'm deviating, but I, I was at some show and some guy behind me like taps me on the back and he goes, Hey, you're Chris Sherry, right? And I said, yeah, I am. Uh, who are you? And, you know, he introduces himself and, uh, he goes, 
you, you've been up front all this time, right? Like I've been watching you. You've been singing along to everything. You know, all these songs. And I said, yeah. And he goes, that's so cool. I just thought you did artwork and like, you didn't even know the bands you were doing. You're pretty hardcore. And I was like, <laughs> I was like yes, sir. I am very hardcore. I've been at this for a while. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad you approve. <laughs> I agree with that kid. That is cool. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I'm I'm definitely not like the nerdy bookish kid that's just like I'm in the coffee shop, you know, all sullen and drawing in a corner. I'm like I'm at the front of the stage singing along to every word and then I'm so jacked up, I go home that night and do designs for the band because I can't go to sleep and I drank a lot of coffee and I'm just riding that high <laughs> of of having been watching, you know, what is now my new favorite band. Yeah. Ah, oh, man, you're a breath yeah. of fresh air. <laughs> I, so, well, I, I, try I, I have to, I have to interject two stories here now because <laughs> they're just so good. So, um, before, so jawbreaker, Brawbreaker decided to get back together and do that show, uh, in, in that Chicago place. That if you're listening thing. at home, it's time to drink. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, is that the uh, game? Every right. time Kevin mentions Jawbreaker, it's time to drink. Then they I come think up so, yeah. a lot. Okay, uh, yeah, sure. So, but they um, they played that Ivy Room show. Yeah, and that right before that, I printed the shirts for Monsula, or was in the process because it was really for the next show. But um, Chris was right up front the entire time, just not just singing every lyric, but joyfully screaming every lyric to every song. Uh, and my, my nine month pregnant wife was on the other side of me doing the same thing. So it was, uh, it's quite a memorable night. It was, uh, it was really after however, 22 years. Yeah. It was, um, it was wild. Wow. Yeah, it was, but that's, that was my introduction to Chris at shows was, and I, but I realized when I saw him there, I'm like, oh my God, I've seen him for years at shows doing this exact same thing. I just didn't ever connect the dots as to who this guy was. And, you know, but that, that story he's telling about that kid, when, when you worked the merch table with me that night and kind of hung out, I swear you had more people come by and see you than the band did at Gilman that night, just to say hi and give you a handshake. Yeah. It's it's weird. It's well, I mean, for, for me, it's kind of crazy to think, okay, yeah, and I am I, I I'm honestly not trying to toot my own horn, but for me it is it is really, really satisfying to know that people are are aware of who I am in the, the punk world and I don't play an instrument. I'm not on stage doing something, and yet there seem to be a fair number of people who, you know, can recognize me and know what it is that I do. And I feel like I, I belong. I, I have a valid place in, you know, a world that is, is about music, but I'm not producing it. And that to yeah. me is, that's, that's a, a massive honor. So, I mean, anytime. Yeah. But how, I mean, how stoked are you when you get a record that's got your artwork on the cover? I love it. And that's, I mean, that's memorialized in the same way that the vinyl is, right? I yeah, mean, that's yeah. like, there's some record covers over the years that I look back at and I'm just like, God, I love everything about this record. The packaging, the songs, yep. and it all works together, you know? And I think that punk is about art for me. And, you oh, know, yeah. moreover, like the, so one of the things I mentioned also to Joshua before we started this is, and this is no joke, and I'm not saying this in any like, sarcastic or like funny cool guy way you are literally one of the most positive people i've ever met i mean even through like last year when you had that horrific fall and injury and we were texting back and forth and you know sent the care package and stuff like your graciousness and gratitude and just like love for life shines through those moments and like is there i mean i know there's no trick people oftentimes either have a positive kind of brainwave you know, that's just how they're built or they don't, they have that negative kind of downward, yeah. you know, spiral. But I mean, I have to say, like, do you get up every day and are pretty stoked or is it, you know, is, is it, is oh, it yeah, just me seeing days. something that's not there? No, it's, I mean, most day, <laughs> my wife and my son joke about it. Both of them are not necessarily morning people. They're fine in the morning, but they don't, they don't wake up like literally dancing and singing 
And I do <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm not kidding. I really do. And, um, you know, we, we kind of have this joke around the house. There was, it was, it was a while ago, but, um, they were still kind of waking up and they're a little sleepy. And I was behind the couch dancing in my socks and I was, I was going for these high kick moves. And the next thing I know, I'm, I, I had kicked too high behind me and I, I went flat on my chest and knocked the wind out of me. Chris, you gotta be careful. You <laughs> I mean, gotta like, be careful was, with that energy. It was, it was massive. And, um, so, I mean, that was like, that was the point where like they went, okay, you need to dial it back in the morning because like you are definitely going to harm yourself. So no, I mean, I do, I wake up in the morning and I'm, I'm ready to go. I, and I don't know that I'm, I'm a morning person because I'm the same way at night. So it's not like I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're Regis Philman, basically. Yeah, I, I am. I am. A, you know, and I just, it, it, you know, it's funny because like you hear people talk about like, oh, well, you know, life's so short. And, you know, honestly, it's not, you know, even if I were to die tomorrow, life is the longest thing I will ever know. I can't measure it yeah. against anything else. So, no, life is not short. But what you choose to do with it is important. And I think that a lot of people just kind of kick back and and feel like they're owed things, and because of that, they're 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 slow to move to to make things happen and to do things. And I feel like the more that you move forward, the more happy you are, the more productive you're going to be. So I'm always about moving forward. It's like I mean, you know, we talked about the first T-shirt that I did, but I don't ever yeah. think about that. I'm always thinking about all right, well the band audio karate got a hold of me and they want me to do some work for them. So now I'm excited to do that. Um, Greg Hetson has talked to me about doing a um, children's book. I'm excited to be illustrating a book with you know, freaking Greg Hetson. So That's to me, amazing. you know, there's a lot of stuff like that, that I'm always about moving forward. And I think if you're constantly thinking about what's to come it's easy to be hopeful about that. It's easy to be positive. If you mm -hmm. live in the past um, and and you dwell on what were few, you know past accomplishments, you're never very happy in the present, and subsequently you have a harder time seeing you know like beauty and joy and positivity when it's right in front of you. So I think the fact that I'm always wanting to move forward has helped you know mean that I am way more positive about things and. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't like being around people that complain all the time. So if, if I want to not have people complain around me, then I'm not going to do it, you know? So, uh, and you know, I think you, you kind of draw people to you that are more similar in nature. And I, I think I've, I've got good people. I mean, Kevin, I mean, you, you know, you and I are friends. I mean, yeah. to me, that says something I'm doing something right. If you're interested in, in wanting me to be on this and you want to talk to me and you want to hang out at shows to me, I feel like I've done something right. Well, you know, and I, yeah, I, I, a lot of the people that come on, I know relatively well to one degree or another. I mean, there's been a few people that we've had on that I, that I just took a chance and has to be yeah. on the show. <laughs> um, and, and it's worked out pretty well. I mean, we, we had a, we met, we had uh, Dunstan Bruce on from Chumbawamba last week. And oh, wow. It was, the conversation was on, never met the guy before in my life. I seriously wanted to stay on the phone with him all day. He was just oh, so charming and you know, and I know, but dude, every show I'm like, this is my favorite show because now this is my favorite I show. Know, right now, I'm so excited <laughs> talking to Chris, and it's funny because you know when we had Larry on, he was like, Kevin, you're too positive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, but I'm so excited. Like the people that we have on are so tremendously influential in my life in one way or another. Me too. And it's changing my life, like this show is literally changing my life. And so, like. We are friends, and I will say, like the the last the the last two times we hung out, one was at, at a merch table. The other time, we we all went to a show together at the Fillmore, and I, like I was so excited that you and your crew were coming to you know, and I'd never met Rob from Denver, who's you know, right. which is shocking as well. Like, and so there's all these connections and these sort of like you know, the the world keeps just growing in amazing ways people say the world is such a small place because oh so and so no so and so but it's really like when you meet them though it's like a new experience it's kind of like the thing you were saying with life is short 
No, it's not. No. Like the world isn't that small either. I mean, there's, yeah. you know, there's a few billion people here. It's not that small. Um, but I, I think, um, you know, one of the things that's really interests me in sort of your work and your process and just the output is just amazing. Like, I, I think the at one, after one of the shows, you were texting me like drawings of the band at like eight in the morning from your first class the next day, you know, just yeah, Sharpie probably. drawings. I mean, and that's the kind of stuff that's just like, one, I can't even remember what that person looks like from the night before, you know, and I don't drink or do drugs either. And, but I'm like that kind of like presence to be there and enjoying yourself, like, I think we should all aspire to that more, you know, and that's part of the reason I wanted to have you on the show, because every time I've been with you, you're there. You're not thinking about what you're doing when you're driving home. You're not thinking about the next day. You're not thinking about the next thing. You're like at the show, hanging out with your friends, having a catch up and screaming lyrics back at the band. Yeah. You know, and, and not in like a mean way, in a very happy way, <laughs> you know? So that's, I mean, that's part of the reason that, that the, you know, and, and I just, the, the output, the, the incredible amount of artwork that you put out is just, it's, it's almost mind boggling. And I, I live with a painter. I mean, my wife, my wife went to CCA, she's, yeah. you know, and she doesn't paint really much at all anymore. And it's, you know, it's hard to find the time and, you know, especially when you've got a full-time job, but you do. And it's, you know, it's impressive. So there's my diatribe about Chris Shetter right there. Well, thank you. Yeah. You know, um, for me, it's, it's kind of easy too, because, you know, as you mentioned earlier, my wife also is an artist and she yeah. has a basement studio. She, she does, um, sewing with, um, glitter vinyl. And so sometimes she'll do pieces that are, you know, like four by five and essentially they look like, you know, like tapestries. They're, they're incredible. But she has to have her studio in the basement because it takes up so much room. And when she's down there working, I'm with my son upstairs. And my son, you know, is like any other teenager. He wants to be in his room, you know, talking to his friends and doing that sort of thing. So he's doing that. I have all the time in the world to be working because they are too. And so a lot of times my wife and I will kind of like push ourselves because, you know, she's going, I don't feel like working. And I'm like, okay, but I have to work. So she's like, all right, I guess I'll go work. Or she'll say I'm behind on these commissions. Somebody needs something for their birthday on the sixth. So I need to be down working. And then of course that makes me go, well, now I need to be working. So I think there's this really good back and forth that the two of us have with one another that motivates each other and, um, and keeps us moving. And then I find time, you know, all throughout my days, you know, like a lot of times I'll wake up earlier than they do and I'll, I'll just go oh I really want to draw this and and because I am such a a fan of music I I can then go all right well now today I want to start doing some sharpie drawings of some of my favorite album covers and I'll start doing that and then of course that leads to me going oh well no now I want to do some like 70s tv show characters that I really liked okay let's start doing that and all these avenues lead me to other things and I I want to try because a lot of times for me drawing is is a lot like you know like somebody who does like sudoku or does like crossword puzzles I'm I'm is there music on in the background when you're drawing um oftentimes but not always um Mm -hmm. you know i if i have if i have music on a lot of times i have on headphones and if i have on headphones then i'm not connected with my family around me so i don't do that all that often um but i might be listening to stuff you know if everybody else is in their own spaces you know i'll be listening to stuff it's not necessary though which is kind of weird i i Mm -hmm. i listen to a lot of music but not always when i'm working yeah. yeah, right. I mean, your your Instagram is is like pretty much nonstop. I don't even know how you keep up with taking all these photos of all this stuff with actually drawing it as well. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess I look at it like it's part of my job. So I right. feel like you know, at, you know, you work every day, so show people you have been, and like yep. nothing gets me more irritated than an artist or a photographer who is resting on their laurels and simply dredging up work that they've done in the past. And, um, you know, Murray was so incredible as a photographer because he, 
was always going to these crazy backyard party shows, you know, where there's these crusty little kids. And he's got these great pictures of bands you've never heard of who are never going to record even a demo, but he's still out there doing it. And I had the utmost respect for him because he was- Those barbecue photos are the best. Oh, they are, aren't they? They're the best. They're just like these gutter punks at barbecues with like a Budweiser and it's amazing. Yeah, and- he he's he was on my list, and that's that is my only regret so far in the the time of doing this show is that I did not get him on. But they look knew? like professional rock photos yeah. of these barbecues. I know yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, well, and and so somebody like that, I have the utmost respect for because he is somebody who is just driven to take photographs the same way that I'm driven to draw or whatever. It's not oh I was in it for like a couple of years and I did some really <laughs> great stuff. It's I'm I'm really excited about music and that's something that doesn't just it doesn't have a shelf life, you know? Yeah. It's not that I I did this and now I'm just going to, you know, like just sail on with what I have done, but to do more stuff. And so I you know, I happen to know a lot of, you know, different artists who are creating stuff all the time. One of my good buddies, yep. Rich Jacobs, um, is constantly doing new stuff. And so that makes me go, oh, Rich is doing this. Oh, Brian Walsby's doing this. I guess I better stay up with these guys. So I look at it like my job. Every day I need to put something else out there in the world. So make something. And then that in itself becomes the motivation to keep going. And it's just, it's self-serving because yeah. I, my Instagram looks like I'm doing stuff because my Instagram looks like I'm doing stuff. I have to keep doing stuff. Mm. It's a compulsion yeah. with me. You but know? it's great. And, it, and it, you know, and it, it, it's, it, it, it touches people. And I saw it, I've seen it firsthand. Like people walk up to you and just are like, dude, thank you. You know, same way they do with many, many bands, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and to and, me that's wild. Well, you know, it's it's basically a life well lived and a job well done. You know, it's it's like I said, the packaging is as much part of the record as the is the is the actual music in most cases. Yeah. So, um, I'm I'm also perusing your your Instagram while we're talking because I'm always like, oh my God, he put something up like today <laughs> that I missed. Dude, I need to talk to you about this class of 2020 design because I think we should print T-shirts. Of that's that. not mine. It's not? so great, isn't it? It's not mine. Oh no, it was God. on it was on the car of somebody that drove by, and I was like, "Whoa, that's awesome!" Oh my God! I wish it were because I'd be all yeah. over that. But yeah, it's not. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> it's amazing. I didn't, I didn't even know who it was. You know, that was the thing. Okay. Is yesterday. So as a high school teacher, um, you know, obviously people know that there's not going to be the traditional graduation this year. And so a lot of the schools are doing a virtual graduation thing and that's what we're doing, but they also have all these caps and gowns that they had ordered. And as part of the virtual graduation, I think there's going to be an element where they are able to walk on stage and get a photo. And I'm not really sure what that's looking like. So yesterday I helped, you know, distribute the, um, the caps and gowns to the seniors and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just somebody out of all the cars that came by, somebody had this really great gas mask with a mortar board on it. And it said class of 2020. And I thought it was just like the most genius thing. So I would love to say, yeah, hey, let's make shirts. But it's not my artwork. I mean, it was just yeah. something I saw and thought was pretty great. It's you know, you might great. as well make it best. Yeah, I just, you know, I don't like to take people's artwork. So it's, it's, it's so awesome. Yeah, nor do I. I mean, you know, I, I, man, that gets me so bummed out when I see like, you know, other quote unquote artists who have simply just taken somebody else's stuff and gone, hey, put a different logo on it. No, you didn't. You didn't make art, man. You, you just took something that, you know, nobody would pay any attention to what you're doing if you didn't do that. And it's not clever and it's not even interesting. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm not into that. I well, think we're, I we're, think we we uh, before we're. Kevin ends the show. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say that if Mike Muir ever runs for president, yes, he's got his poster ready to go he because does. Chris, this Mike Muir painting is fucking amazing on your Thank website. You. It's yeah. so good. It's really really good. I I um, had done a, a portrait for uh for Mike for I had done this thing. 
the, one of the characters in the office does this prison Mike. Michael Scott did this, you know, like one episode. He was this character, prison Mike, and he's got a bandana on. And I was like, well, what if I added like a flipped up suicidal hat to that? So I did mm-hmm. this thing. Mike Muir saw it, you know, was like, what is this? And then it turned him on to the office and he's now a massive office fan. And I was like, oh, cool. Well, I'm going to do another one of those drawings for you. And I gave it to him and he was just beyond thrilled with it. So he's trying to figure out how we can actually make that shirt and, you know, actually get Steve Carell's permission to use his likeness. But um, yeah. Oh yeah. That'd be quite a, quite a feat. So Run us your uh, your your socials. You like Instagram is at that's Chris Sherry. Pretty, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm doing now. It's it's just okay. at Chris Sherry, and um, yeah. you know, I I have a Facebook page that's a professional page that's Chris Sherry. Yeah, but to be really honest, I haven't been putting stuff up on that very much lately. My wife has okay. one that I use a lot, but you know, that's not where I'm directing people like the Instagram. Well, yeah, one but that, your your wife is like your guys' personal one. So. Right. 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 Um, but the other, the other, um, Facebook one is the professional one. Um, I haven't really been keeping up with as much recently and I probably should, but there's, there's a lot yeah. of older stuff on there, but Instagram every day I'm putting stuff up. That's the best way for people to see what I do. Nice. Um, or go to a show uh, someday. <laughs> yeah, go to, go to any of the bands plus like thousands more shows, especially if they're playing in the Bay Area or the, the like the Stockton, Sacramento area. Yeah, yeah, of course. You're likely to see Chris, and he's quite noticeable. Um, <laughs> yeah. The other thing uh, is, how do people get a hold of you for commissions, and if they want you to do work for their for their uh, for their band? Um, so through, um, a direct message in Instagram, that's probably the best way to go about doing that. Um, as of right now, I kind of opened up, you know, the, the commission can of worms and got inundated with all these paintings that I have to do currently. So I'm, I'm pretty backed up on things. Um, even though I have like theoretically a lot of time, I'm, I'm working like extra hard now. So as soon as I get caught up on those, I'll be able to kind of like start squeezing more things in, but usually just a direct message through Instagram. I read them all. I respond to everything. Excellent. Well, that's, that's also admirable because I know a lot of people don't, including this guy sometimes when I don't notice stuff. Um, the last thing is we have just a little bit of like things we talk about at the end of our shows. Uh, the Patreon account for uh, Adulting Well is donating all of our money to Hospitality House San Francisco for the foreseeable future, which is through the end of December, it looks like, uh, through the end of the year. Hospitality House is a um, nonprofit uh, direct service organization in San Francisco that helps individuals that are uh, struggling with mental health issues and substance abuse get housing. And they do a lot of art-based counseling. Uh, they have an art studio and a music studio that they work out of, as well as peer-to-peer counseling. So it ticks all the boxes for me and Joshua, and we love them and are happy to give them our not their that hard of earned money because we get to talk <laughs> to people like Chris. Um, and I also recommend people check them out. It's hospitalityhousesf.org. Uh, we have obviously we're up on iTunes, and we appreciate any reviews we can get. Um, right now we've got five stars, so don't don't fuck it up for us. Um, <laughs> nice. Uh, and you know, the last thing, as always, we want to thank uh, Chris for coming on. It was, I mean, you know, I could talk to you all night, and you know this. Uh, but oh, yeah. it just it's so great to hear what you're up to, how you're coping with this craziness in California right now, and and uh, that you're staying positive, man. It's a, it's, it's just really, it's an inspiration, and I and I'm I'm I am honored to call you friend. So thanks yeah, for me on. too, and and thank you guys so much for uh, for asking me to do this. It's uh, it's really nice to um, be able to break up my day with something like this. Yeah, well, and, and you and your family take take good care. So. And thanks yeah, everyone for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>